0: Hey, before we begin, a quick reminder that today's episode is made possible in part by the Todd and Stephanie Schnick Foundation. Find us at schnickfoundation.org. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Let's go, y'all. You are listening to The Foundation Podcast. Our goals are to help you build the foundation to live your best life, help solve problems, better serve humanity, and to become a beacon to help inspire change we connect you with today's leaders, affecting positive and impactful global change. And now, here are your hosts, Todd and Stephanie Schnick. All right, welcome to the Foundation Podcast. I am your host, Todd Schnick. This is going to be a fun conversation. I had the pleasure of connecting with our next guest, I guess it was a couple of months ago as we record this, Uh, our foundation is uh, doing a project and a campaign with uh, Experience Core Chicago, and Greg and I are working together on it. Uh, A neat guy. We're going to have a good chance to connect with him and talk to him about his work, his mission, his purpose, and some other things, and uh, it's going to be a great conversation. Let's welcome Greg Brown. He is the executive director of the AARP Foundation Experience Core Chicago. Greg, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd. Thank you. It's good to have you. I appreciate you making time to join us. I know what a busy fellow you are, so grateful for you to to join us and give us some time. Gosh, we have an awful lot to cover. I don't know where to begin, but I guess the best thing to do is take a few couple
1: of seconds and tell us a bit about you and your background. Well, I was born, raised, and educated here in the city of Chicago. For those of you familiar with Chicago, I grew up on the near west side, right in the shadows of the old Chicago Stadium. And anything with public involved in it was probably uh, had a lot to do with my family. So public housing, public schools, public aid, <laughs> yep. public, public. Yep, yep. And so educated at Marshall High School on the near west side. And I went to Chicago State and the University of Illinois and finished at John Marshall High School. So you can say that I went from John Marshall High School to John Marshall Law School, and that was sort of my trajectory here in Chicago. Outstanding. Well, hell, you are Chicago. Yes, they're very passionate about our city. I also know that your team
0: calls you nice and easy, so we may (laughs) uh, have to talk about that a little bit, too. But gosh, so a couple of uh, administrative chores here before we get into the the crux of what we really want to talk about. I mentioned uh, that you are the executive director of the AARP Foundation's Experience Corps Chicago branch. Uh, I have to assume, Greg, that most people listening are familiar with AARP. Yes. But I don't know, and I can tell you from the work that I'm doing with this campaign in partnership with you, is that there's a lot of people that don't know that there's an AARP foundation. That's right. So before we get into the Experience Corps Chicago, take a second and just to help
1: people understand what the AARP Foundation is all about. Sure. So the AARP, those four little red letters, that's our enterprise. And people know that for the membership. They know it for the insurance offerings, for the magazines and the benefits and all of that. We're the AARP foundation. There's a firewall there. We have nothing to do with the business side of the enterprise. The foundation is uniquely focused on social change in America for people as they get older. So under the foundation banner, you have our program, Experience Corp. We work with older adults as well as uh, kindergarten through third grade students. You have tax aid. Those are the folks that help people file their taxes for free to make sure that they don't get abused or uh, get subject to the predatory uh, lending practices. And then we have our legal assistance for the elderly and then our anti-hunger program. So all of those things live under the foundation and those are the social part of the social changes that we're trying to make in America under the AARP banner. Outstanding.
0: Well, it's, uh, I have to tell you the story. I'm not sure I've actually told you the story about how you and I ever got connected in the first place. But you uh, are familiar with our foundation, the Todd Stephanie Schneck Foundation. And there, there's three pillars to what we do. There is animal rescue, which is just a passion of my wife's and myself. And you know that my mother is late-stage Alzheimer's. And so we got into this thinking we were going to do a lot of work to raising resources to help cure Alzheimer's. And then the third tenant is obviously uh, literacy. So we came out of the gates charging my wife and I when we launched this thing and, and with this goal of raising money to help cure Alzheimer's a noble goal. Mm-hmm. Our attorney sat us down and says, you're not Bill and Melinda Gates. You're not gonna be putting billions into this thing. You are a small family foundation and certainly out of the gate, you're not gonna be bringing the kind of resources to bear that will enable you to provide the tipping point to some scientist who says, oh, thanks to Todd and Stephanie, we now have the billions we need to Mm -hmm. cure Alzheimer's. So Mm -hmm. he said, I think you should focus more towards what you know, caring for your mother as a caregiver. And it was a brilliant insight, and so we shifted our focus more towards the caregivers. Right. So now we're talking about, the, the, you know, not my wife and I necessarily. My, my dad was a successful businessman, so I have the resources I need to take care of, of my mother. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about those family caregivers you know, who mm-hmm. care for their loved one at home. That's right. And they have their own work to do. They have their own kids to raise, a marriage they're trying to keep strong. And, and to also have to care for a dementia patient or a cancer patient, whatever the case may be. It's a difficult life. Yes. And so we pledged to, to begin to help these family caregivers and living a better life with that need. So flash forward to a friend of mine who said, well, are you familiar with the ARP Foundation? They do a lot of great work with these caregiver programs. And so we started to reach out and lo and behold, somehow through all the network, I ended up with our mutual friend, Franklin Guerrero. Yeah, He said, no, wait a minute. So you care about seniors, but in researching your foundation, literacy is also something that's important to you. Yes. And I said, of course. He said, I have just the program for you that will kill two birds with one stone. And that's how he exposed me to Experience Corps.
1: Feed two birds with one spoon. We don't (laughs) want to kill any birds.
0: (laughs) I'm going to have to steal that. Uh, That's wonderful. But that's how I got exposed to the program. And then it was blessed, obviously, to be living here. And and he said, I know just the guy you got to meet and let's get something going. And then that's how the three of us met. So it's an amazing program, this Experience Corps. That's the Front of what we're going to talk about today. So I'm grateful to you and the work that, of the AARP and the AARP Foundation for all the amazing things that you guys do. So let's get into the Experience Core. So what is that program? What does it do? Who does it serve? How does it work? Sure. Let's get into it.
1: Yeah. Let me qualify this before I get into the our definition here, is that we often get the question, why is the AARP Foundation interested in kindergarten through third grade literacy? And so that often becomes the lead-in, and there are some exciting things to unpack there. So the AARP Foundation is interested in people as they age, and we're also interested in alleviating poverty for people as they get older. One of the strongest indicators to a person's performance academically, as well as their college persistence and career performance later in life, is are they reading proficiently by the end of third grade. And so that's why we're interested in the children because we're interested in those children as they age and as they eventually you know, get over 50, which is our target audience. The flip side of that is we have people over the age of 50 that still have a lot to give back, over the age of 60 with a lot to give back, retired, semi-retired with a lot to give back. And so this is that opportunity. What Experience Corp is, we train, And support people over the age of 50. Most of our volunteers are average age of about 65. We train and support them to go back into the public schools during the school day in the classroom with the teacher to tutor and mentor students, kindergarten through third grade. Now it's tutoring and mentoring. So we have our tutors work with the students on literacy, reading, storytelling, Sight words, things like that, so they become stronger readers. We also train our tutors as mentors, so they help the students unpack their morning, unpack their weekend, talk about some things that may be going on with the student to help them calm down, decompress, and get ready to learn. And so we get some exciting numbers in terms of the surveys that we do and the assessment data that we collect. In the end of that process. When we put the tutor with the student, we find out that the students tend to do better academically. They tend to improve their behavior measures. The teacher has benefits because our tutors almost help shrink the classroom for the teacher because they work with small groups of students, three at a time. And then the tutor mentor themselves, this person that's over 50, over 60, over 70. Mm. You have some tutors that are, you know, 80 or better. We see the impact on them. They're um, part of the school community. They become friends with the teacher or even mentors to the teacher sometime because we have some retired educators. And so they have a new lease on what they're doing in their retirement or semi-retirement. It's a special program. Anyone can do it. Anyone can be trained to do it. You just have to love children. You have to want to give back to the community. And you have to understand the appreciation for literacy and how that can affect a person's life for the rest of their life.
0: It is life-changing. Yes. And the school that I happen to be, our foundation happens to be working with, uh, is serving uh, somewhere between 35 and 40 students. It's changing their lives forever. And we're going to get into the kids in a minute. What I find interesting when I talk to folks about this program, supporting the campaign, and just educating them on what this is all about, the focus often tends to be on the children yeah. and mm-hmm. saying, well, well, this is life changing for these kids. What a need program. But I have to remind people there are two constituencies here that are served by this program, and it's not just the kids. Now we're going to get into the, more into the kids in a second. Sure. But talk about these seniors. I mean, this is this is life changing for them too, because one of the reasons the program was developed, as I understand it, I'm sure you can add some meat to the bone here, is to cure this issue of isolationism. So That's these right. seniors get they retire. Sometimes they become widow or widowers, and they're lonely. They're sitting at home. And there's a desperate need to get out and do something. We're social animals. And if we're not engaged socially, it has a real negative impact on both our our mental and physical health. So talk more about the
1: problem that we're solving with getting these seniors out of the house and into the community doing good things. Let me just throw a few numbers at you because I, I often share this with our people here in Chicago. This is a nationwide movement. We're in 25 cities across the nation, Chicago being one of the biggest. So you're not alone in this movement. In Chicago, we have 30 schools. We have 180 volunteer tutors right now, and they have a social network. So in your trainings, in our celebrations and appreciations, you're gonna be connected with other tutors and mentors. Sometimes we have all our third graders at one, t- all our third grade mentor at one table talking about their experience. You see these people connecting, coming uh, more vibrant in their conversation, about what they're doing around tutoring. And so we're across the city. We're in North Lawndale. We're in Inglewood. We're in Bronzeville. We're on the far north lakeshore. We're headed toward Austin and Roseman. And so these communities, Chicago is a community-driven city. I often see our tutors connecting with each other in the community outside of the program because they're forming these new bonds and new relationships. So just... Kind of pulling it back to what does it mean to the tutor? I have some just really brief, uh, we survey our tutors all the time. We're the AARP Foundation. We're always surveying people. (laughs) But in our tutor surveys, this was last year, 97% of our tutors said that they were satisfied with the academic progress of their students. What that tells me, because our tutors spend an entire year with their students from October to, well, not an entire year, but an entire school year, School year, yeah. from October to May. So they get to know these students and the students get to know them. And so 97% of them said, I'm satisfied with the progress of my student. But 100% of them said, I want to go back and work with these students. We have just a few other stats, and that is... 100% said they were satisfied with the relationship with their student. They also said, 97% said, this is important to my physical and mental agility and activity. So you're talking about getting out of the house, getting off the couch. I'll tell you a quick story. We had one volunteer, she retired from corporate America. She spent 40 years in corporate America, successful in all regards. She said after two years of retirement, she started getting a sinking Feeling. Mm, It's a common tale. And she said, I had this great wardrobe. I have this great wardrobe. I used to get sharp every day to go to work. Now it's just like sitting there. Experience Corp gave her an opportunity to get sharp again. She can put on her clothes, feel like herself, go see her students, work with them. So, you know, that it sounds like such a small thing, Todd, but it's for a person to feel like themselves again. It's just a. It's, it's one of the awesome stories in our network, and I have hundreds of them, but that one tends to stand out to me the most. And then just two other things. 98% of our volunteers said that they have an increased sense of purpose in life. That could mean a lot of things. But one thing I'm sure that it alludes to is I had a volunteer that said, Greg, this program is keeping me alive. Mm. Wow. I know what she meant. It sounds strange, right? But what she, she didn't say that the program was keeping me breathing or, you know, keeping me from passing away. She said, it's keeping me alive. I feel alive again. You know, my, I'm cool with the teacher that I'm working with. My students give me hugs. I know their names and she's been with our program for several years now. So she's starting to see the, tu- the students that she tutored in third grade graduate, eighth grade now. And so that's when you unpack that, that's exactly what she was talking about. And so that's why the AARP, that's a huge reason why the AARP Foundation is involved in this work, because we know the value of keeping people connected to the community, connected to the school, connected to other people as they get older. And we can say a lot about disconnection and isolation, but I tend to talk about the connectedness that they have and how, you know, this is not just the school feeling sorry for a retired person. They're bringing value back to the school. So last year, our tutors donated 16,000 hours of service to, to Chicago public schools. And even at a modest, if you know, you can't get a tutor for $50 an hour nowadays. At the low end, about $50 an hour, that's $800,000 of value back to the schools, back to the communities. So it's a win-win-win situation. The students are thriving. The volunteers are thriving. The teachers are thriving. And that tells me we have a successful, impactful program here in
0: Chicago. Yeah, no doubt about it. Wow, there's some amazing—it's going to take me a minute to kind of just process everything you a to walk through. But I, uh, I saw a statistic shared by the AARP Foundation that— Twenty percent of seniors are suffering from isolationism. Yeah, nationwide, that's a staggering number. Yeah, and there's a there's dozens and dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of programs that exist that we can get them plugged into. But this is just one of the great ones because it 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 does solve all these problems. It's amazing stuff. So what I love most about the program, and I quickly learned that these are these seniors are tutor mentors. That's right. And it's obvious what the tutor role is in helping these kids become more reading proficient. But I think the true value in this is the mentoring side of this, right? Obviously, their life changes forever, these kids, when they learn how to read and they get better at reading. But let's recognize the home life of some of these kids. They, they, if they have two parents at home, yeah. they these two parents are probably working multiple jobs to put food on the table. They don't have time to sit at home and read with these kids. And there's other problems. We don't have to go into the in-depth on in some of these issues. If you're listening to this, you care enough about these kinds of things. You know what these families are dealing with. But that value, you alluded to it earlier uh, when you were walking through the program. But the first element of that interaction between the senior, the, t- the tutor mentor, and this child is just kind of unpacking their life a little bit and giving these kids a chance to kind of ground themselves And kind of get some things off their chest and just calm and relax to be then in a position to learn how to read. That's right. Uh, Talk more about why that mentoring side of this thing, that that kind of that loving touch is so powerful, frankly, for both parties involved.
1: Sure. Our students come to our program. They're usually a year to a year and a half behind in reading. Mm. Okay, we're talking about a kindergarten and first grader that's already a year to a year and a half behind in reading. And so when our tutors work with them, when they can work with them in small groups of three, it's only 30 minutes, but it's 30 minutes twice a week for the entire school year. So our program is a structured session. Every day, our tutors spend five minutes to get to know them better, to follow up on things. Are you hungry? Why do you have your head down today? You look beautiful today. You're excited. All of those things over time help to build a rapport with the tutor. This is another responsible adult in this child's life that that child don't, doesn't want to disappoint. Yep. And that starts the process. Then they get into the skill building. We get into all the uh, echo reading and the dramatic reading and, the, and they go through all of the sight words and all of those things. And then the last five minutes is a reinforcement of all the academic and behavior things. You guys did a great job today. You missed a few words, but next time we're going to get those words. This builds the student up. And then in the end of that process, we're talking about behavior. This is what our teachers, we survey the teachers. This is what they say. 92% of our teachers said that the tutor had a strong influence on the student that was struggling academically. They go on to say another 92% say that that influence was on the either the student's motivation, concentration, participation, and my favorite, self-confidence. So here's the story to that. We had a young man on the South Side in one of our South Side schools. And this, you know, typical, a year to a year and a half behind, second grader, uh, came into our program. Our tutors worked with him. He reached grade level during the school year on his next assessment. What he needed was some structure. What he needed was a little bit of small group or one-on-one attention. The kid goes on to win his spelling bee in the school second grade. And maybe not a big deal to, you know, (laughs) the larger fabric of things. But can you imagine a kid in the beginning of the school year that won't even raise his hand to read going on to win the spelling bee? And so that is a measurement of that self-confidence. And I think that once these students become confident in what they're doing, it goes way beyond literacy. It goes into art. It goes into sports. It goes back into the household. They take books home and then our tutors get more confidence because they say, wow, if I could work with that student, this student that's six months behind in reading with some good social adjustment, you know, can catch up even quicker. So it's a two way street. Our students become more confident. Our tutors become more confident in what they're doing. And then we get that multiplier effect. Well, if you're listening to this and you think, well, and you allow yourself to think about how important self-confidence
0: is in in any and everything that you do your relationships to your work to your teaching to per- parenting to whatever it is you're doing it's so critical and and these kids who and that was uh when uh you took me on that tour of, of that local school in the chicago's yeah. west side that was one of the key takeaways for me was, uh, was realizing the importance of that and the school charles darwin elementary that we're that we're sponsoring through our our foundation i mean the we build leaders here yeah i mean that was staggering to me i mean i was emotional that day and you probably you yeah. probably were too and And it was an amazing thing. And and just the self-confidence that comes out of that. I mean, I have leveraged that significantly as I've been reaching out to people and educating them on this program. And how important that is. And so yeah. that's so critical. But you mentioned, you know, in terms of these being loving adults, paying attention to these kids and asking if they're hungry. I mean, if you're hungry, you can't learn. Right. If you're stressed about an unpaid school lunch debt, you can't learn. That's right. So just kind of getting to the bottom of all these little mysteries and why this child is maybe not performing as we would like them to. If you unpack that, and these are not, these are, it's not rocket science. These are difficult problems to solve
1: if you're aware of them and, and can focus on them and, and throw a little love around. We measure our students at the beginning of the school, well, toward the beginning of the school year, after the first month, to see what their attendance trends are. And we measure them at the end of the school year. And so our teachers report to us that the tutor-mentor relationship seems to have had a positive impact on the students' attendance. And so we understand that students miss school because they have a health issue, whether it's a cold or a toothache or stomach ache or something like that. And they miss school for, you know, family things, uh, emergencies. But in talking to our tutors, we also discovered that when students have so much anxiety (laughs) about being called on in class to read (laughs) or to perform or to do something academically, they tend to not feel so great that day. And so this is one of the uh, data points that we don't have the strongest correlation, but I know what my instincts tell me, that when a student can read, they're not afraid of being called on. And they'll they'll show up that day if they're healthy. And so that's just another nugget that uh, comes out of this work. And those students at Charles Darwin that day actually took us on a tour of the school. It was student-driven. The students controlled everything. They took us on a the tour. They understood the history. They understood all the murals. That was painted and all of the history behind that. And some of those students, our tutors had worked with in the past. Eventually, as they get caught up in literacy, they phase them out of the program and we bring other students into the mix. But we have 30 schools and every single school that I step in, it's always a magical experience for me. Yeah. And I've been at this for five years now. So
0: Everyone listening, me included, you included, can recall when you're in a classroom and you're prepared for that class and you know what to expect and you get excited about it. You're looking forward to it when you're not prepared. And this isn't just a classroom. This is a business meeting. (laughs) <laughs> you know, to those sure. that are that are in a corporate environment somewhere who are unprepared for a meeting, you're, it's a miserable existence. It's a t- you're, you're stressed. So we all, I mean, we all understand what these kids are going through, and and the self confidence thing. Just to go back to that is everything to helping these kids become to survive and thrive in the world. I mean, it's amazing stuff. I mean, I was going to ask you about the results of this, but you've you've done. Uh, Spent a lot of time today, kind of going through some of the some of the results in this. But to someone who says, "Well, this thing, this is a great idea on paper, but does it work?" Sure, sure, sounds like it does.
1: I would love to. You know, I'll I'll send them our executive summary. Definitely, we measure everything, and so for our students this year, we'll reach about two thousand students across. Public schools there's a lot more work to do, but that's this the, is just in Chicago, correct? That's just in Chicago uh, nationwide we reach about thirty thousand students wow that's in, amazing. over across you know almost thirty cities now. I think it's twenty five thirty cities. but that being said, I mentioned that these students come to us behind in reading. these are the youngest students. these are the primary grades by the end of the school year sixty five percent of them would have improved their literacy by at least a half grade mm. so for the educators out there, I know you all get it, but f- just for folks like you and I taught, six months of reading for a kid that has been trending backwards is a huge mm-hmm. thing. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's huge, especially for first or second grade. Yeah, it's amazing. And about half of them will reach grade level by the end of the school year. And one of the whole points of our program is that they get caught up by the end of third grade. Because that's the strongest indicator of what they'll do in seventh and eighth grade in terms of graduating elementary school. And then that becomes the indicator for graduating high school and persisting through college.
0: Well, Greg, aren't there statistics? I'm not going to pretend that I have them down pat, but I've I've read statistics that you can tell when a child, where he or she is after third grade, whether they're
1: going to end up being a criminal. Sure.
0: I mean, mean, there's there's tie-ins to all that, right?
1: Yeah, it's depressing. I've come across those, some of those statistics and some of the um, research and I glanced over it because, you know, we don't give up on people even after third grade. Right. 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 But if we can draw the line at third grade and that's what the Experience Court program does, we say we're going to draw the line as early as we can and try to get these students enough momentum by third grade to help them persist through their academic life. And so where there are, you know, certain powers that be that want to count jail beds, (laughs) beds in their prisons, we're counting on people to have to compete globally for jobs and to be able to read their prescription and be able to read a referendum on a ballot and be civically engaged and be healthy. So yeah, I don't worry about the other side of the football field. We just run our plays on this side. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderfully said.
0: So talk more about, so kind of shifting back to the, the seniors, the, the mentor tutors here, talk more about their training program. And I, I don't know that we've mentioned, but the program also does supply all the reading materials yeah.
1: and training materials as well. Obviously, we'll go a little more into that, please. So our tutors go through an extensive, intensive, training program before they even set foot in the school. So throughout the course of the year, there's about 24 hours of training that they have to do. Sixteen of those hours are before they set foot in the classroom. Okay, so they get trained on the tutoring methods. They get trained on the mentor methods. We train them on the structured session. We get them familiarized with our curriculum, which is reading A to Z. And once they complete their training, I have a team. And our school partnership manager will meet them at the school. And before they start tutoring, they're going to spend some time with the teacher. So the teacher understands how to leverage the tutor. The tutor understands some things about the teacher. After that, then the tutor will meet the students, get to know their names. How old are they? What's their birthday? You know, things just, we don't want to start tutoring yet. We want to get to know these young people. So this is, these are all the things that they're trained on. Then throughout the um, school year, we have two in-service trainings that uh, make up the remaining eight hours of training. And there there we drill down on some finer points of mentoring and some finer points of tutoring during the school year. We'll bring in a dynamic guest speaker, something you know, to keep them motivated and keep them fired up about what they're doing. And so that's what the training consists of. Our tutors also work in teams. So in each school, there's at least four other volunteers working in other classrooms. And then they'll have a common place where they meet and discuss their day with a team leader. So we have a team leader in each school that's also a volunteer. Mm. And they take care of all the administrative parts of our program. So I like to always let our tutors know that you are very connected through the training as well as the program in your school. You're training together. You're working in the schools together. And then you're connected to this larger network across the city and across the country. And then we have great parties. I (laughs) I can't say it any other way. I mean, we have a spring event right before spring break for our tutors to thank them and to appreciate them. We do things for Volunteer Appreciation Month, which is March. We do an end of the year celebration and then over the summer, we keep them engaged through our newsletter and through our great partners across the city and things that they may offer, the different festivals and things like that will we'll provide opportunities for them to come out and just be a part of our team and stay connected. So I know that this is going a little bit beyond training, but I think about the Experience Corp experience as this 360 total experience that includes the trainee and the student. And so by the time they come back the next school year, we have about an 80% retention rate Mm. for our tutors. People don't leave the program often. Usually it's for health reasons, of course, or they may relocate, something like that, or they're taking care of their spouse. So we have a high retention rate and we also have a high net promoter score. Our net promotion score last year was 86%. And for those of you that don't know all of this jargon mumbo jumbo that i'm talking about (laughs) a net promoter is a person that will refer your program to a family member or a close friend so a lot of our volunteers are referrals from other volunteers and we're getting to that level now in chicago where the person that referred the person is referring the person (laughs) so it's an awesome community for us. Well,
0: I can vouch for that because uh, as I've uh, uh, reached out and communicated this idea of supporting our campaign uh, to others, many of which are not in Chicago, they're like, well, I would love to support your campaign there in Chicago, Todd, but uh, how do I figure out how to get plugged in with this in my community of Atlantis? So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, part of the the joy of this campaign, there's been some frustration in that. A lot of people haven't, aren't aware of this program. That's right, yeah. And But when they become aware of it they're wowed by it you know so that's exciting you know I look at these 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 seniors these mentor tutors especially when they've been around a while and they've kind of starting to build this uh, roster of, of students who are mm-hmm. now thriving and, and doing well in school they, they these tutor mentors to me they're leaders in this community yeah because yes. I mean I, I saw it firsthand I watched them interact with these kids interact with the teachers the leadership role they played in that school. And then you get a roster of, of, of talent that you've helped over the years. You're just naturally a leader in that community. And that's that's right. important too. And that gives them such meaning and all that. That's such, that's such great stuff.
1: It's, you know, and it's called Experience Corp for a reason. Mm. Of course we train and we support these good people to go into the public schools, but we don't want them leaving their life at the door. Yeah. We want them to bring their experiences in the classroom. I get a chance to go to the schools and observe our tutors in action. Sometimes I can't help but to sit at that table with those students and just be a part of the tutoring session. And so we'll have storybooks. I can tell you, I've read Slugs and Snails more times than you want to count. But We should have
0: done a reading on the podcast. That would (laughs) be funny.
1: But, you know... Where it's safe and where it's healthy, our students will, our our tutors will bring things into the classroom, like a piece of rock salt. Mm. That students, you know, we've read about it, but this is actually what it is. Or they will not much, but we do allow them to bring some supplemental things into the classroom. Uh, Of course, we can't give the students, you know, things to eat. But it's like if you're reading stories about a mango. Right, our tutors can share that experience with the students and say, "This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. It feels can like you imagine that. how it tastes? Yeah, when you go home, ask your mom or your dad to uh, let's let's have a mango this weekend." <laughs> so you know, the, the it's it's just certain experiences that our um, tutors have that they can share with the students and, uh, out of their life stories, and that's just that to me is like the village raising the child.
0: Yes, absolutely, and giving back
1: and. Sort of handing off those oral That's how traditions. you
0: really learn, in my opinion. Sure. You know? so, yeah. and, that's, uh, and these kids aren't necessarily getting that
1: uh, the, on this, a regular basis. And, so. and one other thing, the students often ask our, you know, students are uh, incredibly curious. And I, I make it a point when I visit our schools not to wear a suit and tie. I want the students to ask me questions. But they'll ask our, ask our tutors, what are you doing? What did you do for a living? Oh, I was an engineer. What's that? Oh, I was a cook. What did you cook? Oh, I just raised my children. How many children do you have? Right. So all of these experiences that our tutors and mentors have had, and now they're sharing with the students and the students can start to see themselves. World's getting a little bigger. That's right. Yeah.
0: All right. So thinking about your program here in Chicagoland, uh, 30 schools and roughly 2000 students. Yes. That's amazing stuff. But sounds to me that there's a lot of opportunity for growth too. It sure is. Yes. Probably of students that need, need help. So what's the plan? What's the thought process on expanding the program? If I'm listening to this and I'm a principal of a school, I'm a teacher, I'm a parent, I'm a senior, says, wow, this looks like it'd be a great way for me to get involved. Talk about
1: how they can all fit into to your growth plans. We have 420 elementary schools across Chicago wow. and Chicago public schools. Depending on what study you read about half the third graders are behind in reading, or about a third of the third graders. It depends on what assessment you're looking at, but either way, that's a lot of students. And so, that being said, we have a lot of room to grow here in Chicago. Our strategic plan takes us to the end of 2022. By that point, we wanna be in at least 42 schools, which would put us in about 10% of the CPS portfolio. Even beyond that, there's a lot of room to grow. And that is for those of you that are not familiar with the structure of CPS. So there's uh, Chicago public schools. There's 420 schools and they're split into networks. It's about 13 networks. So you get about 35 to 40 schools in each network. What we like to do here in Chicago for Experience Corp is have a presence in each network. We'd like the network chief to say, here are my priorities in my network. I want you to work with all of our schools, but these are the schools that I feel we can really make a difference in right now. So if we could have a presence in all 13 networks with five to 10 schools, that would mean we would need about five to 600 volunteers. Then we could make an impact here in Chicago. And what that means is once we get to that point, I think we reach a tipping point, Todd. Mm, I think so. And that tipping point is now CPS. CPS. Chicago Public School, chief executive officer, board of directors can say, this tutoring program is so needed and so valued that we're going to mandate it. We're going to make it a mandatory part of what we do in and around education in Chicago. And then that makes the funding easier. That makes the recruitment easier. That makes the teacher professional development easier. All of those things. So ultimately, that's the end game. No program in the country has gotten there yet, but we're, I think we're getting close here in Chicago. I can feel it simply because of some of my past experiences with the Chicago public schools, as well as the numbers that we're starting to see now with the 30 schools. So we can always, always use more volunteers. If you're over the age of 50, you have a high school diploma or a GED, as long as you can pass the background checks that CPS requires, we can train you. We can support you. What you did over your career doesn't matter. We have people that were scientists. We have people that um, were just raised their children successfully. We have some retired educators, barbers all over. So we're everyday people in this program. And so we could always use more volunteers. I'll give you the contact information for that. Of course, we're uh, looking for more school partners. We do have a modest school fee. All of those fees go to support the training and support of our volunteers every dime. And we're always looking for community partners too. Great community partners like the SNCC Foundation. We have other philanthropic partners around Chicago. In North Lawndale, we have five schools. We work with the Staines Family Foundation. In Inglewood, we have eight schools. We work with the McCormick Foundation there. In Bronzeville, we have four schools and they are supported through a grant from the Department of Justice, Office of Juvenile Justice. And so those are some of our big, big partners here in the city. And then we have other boutique partners that, like your foundation, will support a school or we have some individuals that say, you know, I can partner with another individual and maybe cover some classrooms in this school. And of course, our biggest partners is the AARP Foundation. Um, they pay for all of our overhead. So all of the gifts that we receive can go directly to our volunteers and then directly to the students.
0: Yeah. So there are I mean, obviously there are costs in, uh, involved in this. And, and yeah, our little foundation is uh, supporting one school. And I'm happy to report that as we record this, we're halfway to our goal. So that's sure. exciting. Yeah. But there's a lot of work to be done for not just a, our project, but for There's a lot of schools around the country That a lot of kids that need this help. So, again, uh, if you're listening to this, and not necessarily even if you're based in Chicago, is the best way for people to support their program to make a donation to the AERP Foundation?
1: Sure, that's the best way. A good community partner, a good foundation partner is doing exactly what you're doing. Of course, it's about the financial support. Sure. But it's also about raising awareness. Yep. It's also about showing the commitment that we're here For the long run, for the long term, not just one school year. We can't fix this in one school year. This is a sustained effort. And so it's exactly what you're doing here, Todd. So it starts with, you know, a financial commitment. Our largest programs right now are Chicago, Baltimore, Philadelphia, D.C. But we have a presence. We have six sites in California, up and down the coast. We have a site in Texas. We have two sites in the state of Georgia. So if you don't have an AARP Experience Court program in your state or in your city, we have an application process for that. If we could find a local community partner that will take on the program in that town, we can train them up to be a part of our network. So that being said, there's a lot of opportunity for people that want to support our work. We also, in-kind gifts are are awesome for us. We have some corporate partners that, you know, they can't give to us uh, directly but they give us space for training. They give us tickets to baseball games. I won't say what team. <laughs> <laughs> and see, things like that go a long way with helping us retain our volunteers, helping us expand our volunteers, broaden at least their, their horizon. Chicago's a big city. Yes. We have people on the south side and the north side that have never crossed town. Right. And so when we can move people around and show them different neighborhoods and show them different aspects of this city, it's huge. It goes a long way for us. Well,
0: it was uh, a lucky break for my wife and I to become exposed to you all and the work that you're doing, and and it will. Uh, we're in the midst of this campaign right now for Charles Darwin Elementary, but it will be an annual commitment to so us. Every year we're going to sponsor a school. I don't know if I've even told you that yet. And uh, you know, the awareness is such a critical element here, and it's frankly, we're committed to helping that too. And that's why you're on this show. Uh, awesome. To begin that process of. Uh, spreading this message far and wide. So, Greg, again, uh, really grateful for the important work that you and your team are doing here, certainly for the children in Chicago and the seniors, thank these you. tutor mentors in Chicago. So, thank you for that. I suspect you will be on the show again down the road to update us on how things are progressing. So, one last time, uh, should anyone want to get information about the Experience Corps campaign? How do they do that?
1: Sure. So, by the way, thank you again, Todd. This is just an awesome experience. This is an awesome opportunity for Experience Corp. Chicago, the more ar- awareness we can raise, the better. If folks want to get in touch with us, either to volunteer, either to see if there's an opportunity for your school, either to support our work, our email address, our general email address is E as in Echo, C as in Charlie. E-C-Chicago at A-A-R-P That's E-C-Chicago at AARP.org. Our general phone number is 312-660-8655. 312-660-8615.
0: Outstanding. And Greg, again, thank you for your important work here. But before we let you go, we have one more important piece of uh, podcast business here our foundation podcast, Lightning Round. We walked through the, the ground rules before we went on the air, so let's get to it. So uh, quick quick four questions here. Uh, these are, right. uh, for those listening, these are questions we ask all of our guests on the show. So number one, what is the biggest challenge, the biggest problem that afflicts all of mankind, but one do you think
1: we could solve if we actually commit ourselves to doing it? Oh, uh, awesome question. It's poverty. It's getting people an opportunity to earn a living wage to earn a chance to prosper. And we can solve poverty. Yes. There's enough to go around. We are in a global economy. There's enough opportunity. And it's really about moving the removing the barriers yes. for people. Yes.
0: And I'm learning how important literacy is in that fight.
1: Yes. So absolutely. no doubt
0: about it. All right, question number two. What is one thing people listening to this conversation can do today to affect positive
1: change in the world? My answer is not a specific thing, but a specific process that they could take. Hmm. Find a cause, Hmm. find a cause. There's a lot of causes. There's literacy, there's anti-poverty, there's healthcare, there's environmental justice. There's a whole, you know, I can keep going on and Mm -hmm. on, but find a cause that you're passionate about and then invest some time in it or some money and help raise awareness around it. I love it. All
0: right, question number three, What is one thing you want people to learn more about or take action on and how do they do that?
1: Oh, I mean, the lightning round is just awesome Um, (laughs) because I consider myself a lifetime learner. That is, you know, once you finish school or retire from your career or whatever you're doing, don't stop. We should be learning until the lights go out. Okay. So right now, I would say get a good civics lesson. Hmm. Brilliant. Right now I'm reading, it's on my desk here and Todd can be my witness. I'm reading Lobbying Illinois, How You Can Make a Difference in Public Policy. It's technical reading, but it's a pretty thin book and it gives you the rundown on all the ins and outs of our General Assembly in Springfield. Brilliant. And as a supplement, there's a roadmap, an advocate's guide to our state budget See this stuff can it impacts every aspect of our life, mm-hmm. from our shoestrings, how long they can and can't be, to, you know, our most intimate things that we do in our life, like our health care or our dental care and things like that. So I would say you don't have to go this route, but get a good civics lesson, listen to a good civics podcast or a good audiobook or watch a good civics documentary and really understand how our, our society is governed and organized.
0: Goodness, does our society need more education <laughs> around civics? Uh, wow. You'll be proud to know <laughs> that I am a 50 year old. Yes. In case you're wondering, I'm a new member of awesome. AARP. yeah. My wife won't admit to that, but anyway, <laughs> I admit that I'm... Uh, we
1: call it 50 or better, <laughs> okay?
0: <laughs> I'm actually reading a, a text on economics. Yeah. Just because I think if, if you don't have a sound, basic understanding of economics and and what that really means... It's really hard to be engaged in a modern political discussion at all levels of government. So I love your advice. That's good stuff. The final question, number four, is name one nonprofit, one charity, one leader that you think people should start paying attention to.
1: Yeah, I don't have one, and it's not a particular person. I have two short ones. One is I'm a huge fan of the public broadcasting station, PBS. Mm, Yes, WTTW here in Chicago is one of our partners. It's one of our experienced court partners. And I love what they're doing because they help raise awareness. A lot of times it's absent of the commentary or the spin or the punditry or whatever. And that's just, you know, if you listen to Chicago Tonight on WTTW, you're going to get straightforward news and with a lot of local Interest in a lot of local angles. just an awesome show. I love it. What I had a chance to visit at WTTW studios, you're on the north side of Chicago. you should visit their studios. they have a great tour, is they're rolling out a series called "Chicago by Ale hmm. with the documentarian Jeffrey Bear. I got a chance to get a sneak peek of it. For those of you in Chicago, this guy rides all the train lines in Chicago. I think we have seven. And at every other stop on that line, he stops to tell a story about either that neighborhood or some historical significance or some current or something that's happening currently there. And it will blow you away. What you don't know about this city in terms of history, politics, economics, entertainment, it's just, it's awesome. That is awesome. So that's my big one. And then my small one is, As a resource, I would recommend to get the Hoopla app. Oh, I'll be all right. H is in Henry, O-O, P is in Paul, L is in Lemon, A is in Alpha. Hoopla. It's basically an app for free digital library. So you just connect your library card with it and you have access to digital books and audio books of just across all of these different genres and subject matters. And that's how I get my uh, audio book on at least. And it's free. So, you know, go for it.
0: All right, audience. This is why we do this lightning round, because it's amazing some of the cool stuff that you uncover. Greg, thanks for putting a little thought and care into that process. Thank you for that. All right. Greg Brown, the executive director of the AERP Foundation Experience Corps Chicago. Greg, my friend. Thank you so much for making time to join us on the show. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Greg Brown, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on The Foundation Podcast. The Foundation Podcast is produced by Intrepid Media and is made possible in part by the Todd and Stephanie Schnick Foundation, Learn more by visiting schnickfoundation.org. And thank you for listening. Now, get out there and do some good, and we'll see you next time.